morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Okay, so I'm not necessarily thankful but just curious because I walked into the studio this morning and the first thing I get said to, like the first thing Shell says to me is, oh, can we, can we tell him yet? Can we tell you? And then Lyle's like, no, we have to tell him on air. And I'm like, okay, so now I'm just sitting here curious and there's something you need to tell me. And I'm, I'm worried because the last time Lyle told me things, he told me I was fired, <laughs> but it wasn't true. Um, so, so I am like, I am curious. Yeah, we're, we're going to fire you on air. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Lawson's super curious about this, and of course the great thing about Lawson being super curious about it is that we are going to talk about this on air, and you're going to get to hear about it, but if you want to hear about it, you're going to have to stay tuned. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, we've got, some, uh, we've got some exciting news to talk about, and uh, it will be coming up. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Pray, praise God. <laughs> uh, God is good. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. But, oh, what am I grateful for? Well, it's not... Well, it's kind of overcast outside. It's the same as it's been for the last <laughs> 10 Look, days Look, I'm trying to least. find the positive, all right? I'm trying to be grateful for something. Someone's enjoyed the rain. The ducks. The ducks have enjoyed the rain. Yes. We're thankful. For, we can be thankful for ducks. Yeah. Ducks are cool. Because they're cool and cute. And yeah. I like ducks. They have babies. Yep. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Poop all over your lawn. Gets washed away by the rain. Yep, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, of course, it is Thanksgiving Day in the United States, oh. uh, which is in our home our favourite festival. Of course, we'll be celebrating it on Sunday. Mm. But it is a festival that I think that everyone should just adopt. We need to have a Thanksgiving Day for Australia. It needs to be a thing. It needs to be a time to thank God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right. What have we got happening with uh, positively new, different news this morning? Positively awesome. different news. All right. So I've got a topic that um, I've seen over the last couple of weeks. hasn't um, you, you know it hasn't been a, a run away from, even though this is breakfast radio, mm-hmm. um, and it is about uh, excrement. Right. Yes. We there are people eating their breakfast yeah, right now. Well, I could have said that to you like a week ago when we talked about colon hydrotherapy. Um, but I wanted to talk about this, and we're not going to be talking about the the bodily process, um, but rather what is done with poo um, and what they're doing it with with it in Washington D.C. That is essentially making the state a ton of money. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because they're obviously not using it for fertilizer because there's no agriculture in Washington, D.C. Yes. Well, they're not using it. But Maybe someone, they're selling it. But someone is. What, what is going okay, on so here? Basically, I have to know about this. They've set up a new sewage treatment like um, factory, yes. you know, a new sewage treatment plant um, that achieves two things, creating power and selling fertilizer. Which is okay. which is crazy. Which it's like yes. okay, yes, you're selling fertilizer, you know, but creating power. And something that we talked about recently as well was like you know sewage. When when sewage just goes out to sea, 
you know, because it's like got such a high yeah. methane concentration. Creates algae blooms, kills the oxygen, kills the fish. That's right. All of these things. So these guys, like we have a sewage treatment plant here in Newcastle. You can go and see it if you head to some of the, the lookouts around Glenrock Lagoon, um, because we have a super biodiverse, biodiverse like lake and ocean that we're trying to take care of. Um, and they're trying to do the same thing in, in Washington, D.C., but then making money off it. And this is how. So, so they create methane and turn that into energy? Yes, that is literally exactly what they do. They take methane from, you know, as they're processing and treating it. And it but this is what the crazy part. It makes 10 megawatts of energy, which powers 8,000 houses. That's in the, decent. In the area. Which That's is decent. A ton. Like, they're just like, this, this yeah. is just from people's waste. Yep. That'd, in, be, you know, that'd be base load electricity that just goes 24-7. Yep. Dude, 100%. And it's like, you know, and, 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 and you know, they're getting this um, extra in from everyone, whether it's a common person or the president his, himself, you know, they're all doing their bit to power um, their city. But then furthermore, this is where, like, they've gotten, you know, quite quite crafty and they're treating their sewage, um, you know, and, and spinning it. And, and, you know, I, I believe they use like, they heat it up and use a centrifuge um, to just like break down all the different, you know, parts and everything. Um, but they're turning it into fertilizer, which is actually selling incredibly well. And that, you know, in Washington, DC, they don't have a big ag- agricultural, agricultural sector, but no. they're just selling it to everyone else and just making a ton of money. Yeah. I don't know why. I, mm, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I feel like I know. I, Why is there a difference between using human excrement and animal excrement for fertilizer, especially when it's treated? Yeah. My 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 uh, my intellect says there is no difference. My emotion says my emotion just sort of recoils from it a little bit. Yeah. But like, essentially, you know, they had a they had a a group of different. Um, you know, people give testimonies about how it's working incredibly well for their farms and they're using it to grow commercial food. So there mm. are lots of people who are eating food and it doesn't, well, you know, that is fertilised by human excrement. And it's- Having said that, for uh, for about five years I lived in a, um, in, I lived in a, basically an abandoned apple picker's hut and it had a bucket toilet. Yes. Which was a 20-litre bucket. <laughs> and uh, when it got filled up, you would take it and bury it. Uh-huh. And that was a very, very fertile patch of ground. Yeah, the, the grass was just going off. Yes, it was a very fertile <laughs> patch of ground. So, you know. It's it's working. There you go. Dude, and other news across the world. Oh, this is crazy. I read this story. Um, I, I came across this article about basically the most one of the most endangered birds in the world, which is the Cambodian crane. And how essentially they are like in super like low dwindling numbers. Like there's only less than 200 individual birds, mm. which is like at that point it's it's full endangerment. And then unless they're pumping out kids, like their yep. yep. their population are going to drop off. Um, and so what they're trying to do is attract them to this bird sanctuary in Cambodia itself to be able to be help protected. them, be protected, to help them, all these kinds of things. But they've been super unsuccessful. In, in attracting them. So what they've done in response to that is that like a bunch of Cambodian rice farmers have voluntarily signed up to give away parts of their paddy and their crop and their yield of rice 
because apparently it's a crane's favorite food is rice. They just love the stuff. Oh, okay, I see. They're so just they're, like giving it away. So they're not going to scare the birds away. Yeah. Well, basically, they're giving their paddy like a bunch of produce from their paddy away to the conservation group, so that they can attract all the paddy, uh, all the cranes to this conservation area, so that their you know lives can be saved. That's amazing. And I just see it as that's a quite really a sacrifice, particularly totally. from dirt poor Cambodians. That's right. You know, if dirt poor Cambodians can do something like this, then, you know, what should we be able to do in the wealthy West? Mm, totally. And it's actually like, d- dude, I was looking here because I'm like, okay, how, m- how much of this rice did the cranes need? But it's up to like 25% of their crop mm. these, these people are giving away um, because the Cambodia is like, you know, you farm for... Like, it's, you know, part of state agriculture. It gets sold to people and whatnot. But then at the same time, like, some of these rice paddies are just really small and they're using them to farm their food. Yeah, the subsistence farmers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they're making money, but at the same time, just making food for themselves. But right. they're willing to give a ton of it away just for the sake of conservation and looking yeah. after their environment. And people think I'm a little bit strange sometimes when they find that, you know, I return 10% of my income to God. Yeah, wow. And here they're prepared to give away a quarter of their income for cranes. For cranes. Yes, I was reading this. I was like, that's so cool. And it it has completely contributed. Like these 200 individual cranes or around the abouts that they knew existed have just flocked to their area. Now they're protected. They're being, you know, kind of put into breeding couples and they're pumping out babies and the... the, Chicks. Chicks, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, babies, chicks, whatever it may be. Um, and dude, the crane population in Cambodia is on the rise, like solely because of the sacrifice of these farmers. That's amazing. I'm like, good for them. That's absolutely sensational. That's a great story. I love stories about endangered species that come back from the brink mm. and were species that we thought we would lose, that we would never see again, that would just be a distant memory, maybe a few you know, stuffed ones in a museum somewhere, and they're back. And especially, like, you know, like, the government could have, like, in, in, a, in a country like Australia, because, like, we're, we're a Western country, we have money, and there's also people who care about animals, the government has the ability to just throw a ton of money at it. And that's often what happens. Like, a lot of these projects are, are government-funded. There are ones that are privately funded, but for the most part, you know, they, they get government support from a wealthy government, and they throw money at it, and, you know, they either solve the problem or they don't, whereas this is... I just love the fact, yeah, this is Cambodia, bro. Like, yeah, they have yeah. nothing. Like, yep. they're literally, yep. like, one is... This is a country that we send aid to all the time. Yeah. Because they need it. Yeah. And they're, they're just doing an incredible work. All right. Oh, finally. And I only wanted to talk about this briefly, and luckily I don't have much time to talk about it. <laughs> but uh, the Indian government has just passed a bill to ban cryptocurrency. <laughs> and I saw this as good news. I was like, this is a win. This and is Lawson's favourite favorite thing. To hate on. Because you're, allowed they, to, you're allowed to hit, hate crypto if I'm allowed to hate cats. We'll, that, we'll that's that fine. Way. That's fine. But because the, the, the big thing about crypto at the moment, the reason why I think it's a negative thing, especially right now, is because the amount of crypto scams that are going on. And a country that is pretty known for scams, if the government is uh-huh. cracking down on crypto... Scams. Hopefully they'll crack down, crack down on scams. And that's well, that's what they're kind of setting up infrastructure and architecture to do. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 
Fantastic stuff. Uh, Freckos, Texas Insights. It's a pity we don't give Thanksgiving the same attention we give to Halloween. Both of them are pretty much American um, celebrations that have been transported to Australia, and Thanksgiving is unknown. That's the time of year when we thank God, and Halloween, where everything about death is glorified, is the one that we focus on. But it kind of makes sense. Like, like Thanksgiving isn't that... It's like about a story that happened in America. We can have our own. There are lots of places... <laughs> There are lots of places that celebrate their own Thanksgiving. Norfolk mm. Island has their own Thanksgiving. Canada has their own Thanksgiving. There's a whole slew of countries that have their own Thanksgiving. <laughs> we just need to... There Apparently there is a date somewhere on our calendar for an Australian Thanksgiving, but nobody's ever heard of it. If you remember what it is, then maybe you should text us through and let us know because it's well, like... Yeah, okay, that's wow. the other good point. Why, do, why is everyone... Yeah, well, I guess it's because it's the date when those particular events happen, but I'm like, wow, why don't we all have different Thanksgivings? Because that's the thing. Christmas is the same, Easter's the same, but Thanksgiving is like different for everyone. We could we could have it all on the same day. Anyway, uh, <laughs> another text message says here: every day is a good time to thank God. Amen. But it would be good to keep a Thanksgiving day in Australia. We all take so much for granted. Mm. Okay, I did promise we'd talk about the religious discrimination bill that has been brought to Parliament uh, just a day or so ago, and. It, talk about what this bill does and what it doesn't do. So this is probably the most significant uh, story we have ever covered in Australia in relationship to religious liberty. Mm. And this is a story that's going to continue somewhat over the next few months while this bill works its way through a process um, to in, until it actually comes. It'll probably become an election issue mm-hmm. because of uh, how late in the term it's actually coming through. But this was part of a, an election promise mm. that this bill would be brought forth and so it's good to see that it has been brought Brought forth that is super positive, and really this is this is a time now where when when we need to stop talking about vaccinations and start focusing on the next big issue. This is the this is a vastly bigger issue than any of the vaccination issues that we have talked about. Okay, so the religious discrimination bill is similar to bills that protect things like uh, sex or race or sexuality and so forth. Mm. Um, it has less protections than those given to. Um, disability, uh, which is which is interesting, and this is one of the this is one of the things that we need to understand about a democracy. A democracy is all about compromise. Mm. That's the way a democracy works. And so, when you've got a piece of legislation, if you've got a if you've got a a dictatorship, you can have really hardcore legislation. But when you've got a democracy, it means that you've got to make compromises with various people so that you can get enough people to vote for it for it to actually go through. Mm. And so. You know, as Christians, when we when we look at the bill, we say this could be a lot stronger. This needs to be a lot stronger. But what we need to recognise is that if the bill is made stronger, it will not pass. Yes. And if it does not pass, we end up with nothing. Yeah. And if we end up with nothing, and then it you know turns over to Labor, then well, we've all seen what happened in Victoria. Mm. Okay. So the first piece of uh, um, legislation that we've had from the federal government to protect uh, religious protect people of faith from discrimination in Australia. And that's that's really significant. It's significant because it tells us that for a very, very long time we've had a culture in Australia in which we haven't needed this law. Mm. But now that culture has changed, and that's a sad commentary on the direction of our country. But anyway, it is there and it is going through. Okay, at, the, at a state level, of course, New South Wales and South Australia have 
absolutely no legislation whatsoever at all in relationship to uh, religious discrimination. And of course, Victoria is open, you know, the Labor government in Victoria is openly antagonistic to people of faith. But in you know New South Wales or South Australia, you can be fired or rejected from employment based on your faith, and so you know the bill's going to address these kinds of things. Uh, a lot of this has been happening. If you are wondering about uh, examples of religious discrimination, our country is rife with them. Uh, if you go to australiawatch.com.au, you'll find a large database of examples of discrimination, and you can see why we need this bill right here. Mm. You know, things like things like the uh, Tasmanian uh, leader of the Greens, uh, Casey O'Connor, who stated in Parliament that ScoMo belonged to a death cult. You know, you use you use those kind of slurs. Im- imagine if uh, one of our political leaders was to use that kind of slur in relationship to race mm. or sex. You know, putting somebody's, somebody's sex down or gender or orientation or even Islam. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's that was the one that I was going to bring up because it's already you been a point of convention. It's already it's already been a huge point of contention within Parliament about the way that people refer to Islam and. It's bit, like yes. particularly because of the but it's become of a nation. badge of honor amongst a certain group of politicians to slander Christianity, mm. which is you know that's that's pretty yikes. sad. Yeah, it is yikes. Okay, so what we've got in this bill is really a great first step. Mm. Um, we need to have something, and this is something. It is not everything, but it is something. So we need to get behind this bill, and we need to ensure that it can pass. You know, this is something that 15 years ago it would have passed easily. Mm. 30 years ago it would have passed with bipartisan support. Yeah. But that sort of those days are long gone. Um, so some of the areas that, you know, you were hoping for and, and missed out on, um, religious service providers don't receive protection. So... You know, people who are providing services, you know, say for weddings or something like that, mm. who are re- religious people, they don't get protection. There's no protection uh, from employer overreach. Um, there's no protection for health practitioners based on conscience. Oof. So doctors and nurses and so forth in relationship to abortions and those kind of things. There's no protection there. Um, there is... Ability for religious organisations to employ staff who conform to religious values and ethos. So this will hopefully, we're going to find out tomorrow when we interview uh, Attorney General Senator uh, Michaelia Cash. Mm. Um, So we'll be able to ask this question, will this override the Victorian legislation that removes this? We, We talked about that yesterday. Uh, moderate religious statements are going to be protected. So people like um, what is it, Archbishop Porteous down in Tasmania who made a statement about same-sex marriage and then was prosecuted because in Tasmania, under Tasmanian legislation, the only thing required to bring a case is that you are offended. Mm. You don't have to actually prove that any damage has been done. Yes. Um, and so it will override that Tasmanian legislation. Um this is, you know, this is important because you've got, you know, health practitioners, you've got teachers, you've got uh, a whole bunch of people who have been investigated, deregistered, fired, etc., for reasonable statements of faith. So, reasonable statements of faith are going to be protected. Um, there is no fallow clause, and so in that case, it's seen as, you know, a statement of faith that I guess is past uh, being reasonable. Mm. 
Uh, a lot of people are going to disagree with that. But the fact is that if you put that Falau clause in there, the bill would not pass and uh, then we would be left with nothing. Yeah. And so that's just how a democracy works. You know, in a democracy, you're always going to get things which you wish were stronger on either direction. Mm. Uh, there is no protection in the bill from the various hate laws that we have at the state-based level. Um, and it doesn't seem to give protection from banned prayer down in Victoria. It doesn't talk about anti-conversion laws. So uh, once again, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and it's just the nature of you know democracy that it requires compromise. Now it's interesting that you know in the for the last couple of days, Labor has just been absolutely going hammer and tongs to do whatever they can to destroy this bill. Mm. And you know I don't want to come on air and become partisan. Uh, I'm here to support religious liberty. And so I will support anyone who stands up for religious liberty. Labor's platform states that the right of religious organisations to act in accordance with doctrines, tenets, beliefs or teachings of their faith and that such rights should be protected by law and be subject only to such limitations as are necessary to protect fundamental rights and freedoms of others. Mm. Okay, Labor just needs to stand by that. Yeah. And they will have you know my support on this issue mm. rather than attacking a bill that is... You know, very. it is not controversial at all. Mm. You know, this bill could have been way more controversial. It could have been way stronger, but it's not. It's a bill that is designed so that everybody can get behind it and people who believe in this Labor statement can get behind it. And so I'd call on Labor to, you know, just get behind this. Just get it passed already. Mm. We are not a country. We are not a nation that approves of discrimination in any form and we need to remove discrimination where we can. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, fantastic stuff. Well, joining us on the phone this morning is Kim Piers, and she is in charge of Road to Bethlehem. Kim, welcome to the show. Oh, hi, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, we're doing great. How are you doing? <laughs> That's great. No, I'm great, but first of all, let me just say I'm not in charge of Road to Bethlehem. <laughs> I've got an amazing team behind me. I'm just the host for this year. <laughs> That's all. So let's just put things where it is. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, but being host for this year is going to be a pretty significant job as well, I would say. Yeah, oh, well, it has been and it is going to be, and I'm really, really excited about uh, about what this year entails. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, before we talk about what we're doing this year, let's talk a little bit about uh, Road to Bethlehem. Where did it start? How did it start? What what, what does that look like in the past? Um, How long has it been around for? Yeah, let's let's go back to the beginning because there are people out there that don't have a Road to Bethlehem at Christmas time in their area. So, um, Uh, yeah, what's happening? All right. Well, first of all, Road to Bethlehem, is a magical experience. I think anyone that has been to it, um, it becomes something that people want to do every year. So um, it started back in Melbourne. Uh, it started 27 years ago. So it's been running for a long, long, long time. It started actually with a couple of friends of mine. They went to a, a Christian youth congress. It was entitled Make a Difference. And they went straight back to their local churches and said, we want to make a difference and we want to tell the story of Jesus at Christmas time. And so it started as this small, tiny nativity walkthrough. So 
uh, basically you step back into time. So you, you walk into this place and there's a little market and then you go behind the doors and then the story of Jesus' birth comes to life. So it's just amazing. Each scene is acted out. Everyone is dressed up. So it just feels like a step back into time. And so when it started, we used to have these tiny groups of 85 people coming through. And so the whole event happens about 30 times every night for about four nights. Um, and so it started off really small. I remember when it started and it was tiny and it has now grown to something like, I think 15,000 people go through each night. It is a massive uh, event. Uh, there's about 400 volunteers. Uh, that pull it together every year. And it's actually gone national. I think there are other, I think New Zealand does it. There's uh, different places around Australia that does it. But Victoria and Melbourne was like the original uh, road to Bethlehem. And uh, when you go, uh, you've got to get tickets, everything. And by the way, it's a free of community event. So it's oh, not wow. something that you pay to go to, but they do have like a festival out the front. So while you're waiting for your... Uh, your group to go through, there's kids' activities, there's balloons, there's dinner, they've got food stalls. It's an incredible experience. The whole experience is magical. There's uh, choirs singing Christmas music or um, guest artists uh, coming and singing. It's just an amazing experience. And it's usually held around about the second week of December and it goes from the Monday night through to the Thursday night. And I've been involved in it for a number of years. Uh, and uh, so the very first person that you see often when you walk through the gates is someone like me, like someone who just welcomes everybody and then just shares the experience that we're about to have. So what you, what you, when, when you're welcoming people there at the gate, what are you dressed up as? Oh, I'm just in normal clothes. I'm the most boring person at the event. <laughs> 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 everybody, <laughs> but everybody else is in costume, like they're dressed up. 2,000 years ago. It is incredible. And I tell you, no, nothing has been spared. Everything is just classy. It's beautifully done. And honestly, it's an experience that um, anyone can go through, whether you're young or old. It's, you know, disability friendly. Like, it's just fantastic. And it's an experience that I think most people remember and they want to do it again. So that's kind of, I don't know, um, did you have any other questions? Have I covered it all? Oh, no, 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 that's okay. That's, I've, got, I've got plenty of questions yet. So, Kim, I'm just yeah. wondering, um, you know, take us, you, you say everybody's in costume. What kind of costumes, I mean, do you have? Do you have yeah, shepherds? Do you okay. have priests? Do you yeah. have, what, what do you actually oh, have? I'll tell you. Yeah, so basically, we even have real babies. <laughs> you have it real is, babies. Okay, how many, when, when you real- got... When you've got 15,000 people coming through, when you've got 400 volunteers, yes. how many real babies do you need to be able to run this program? <laughs> I believe there is a there is a cycle of about three or four newborn babies that are requested every year um, for the last scene. So the last scene is basically um, Mary and Joseph with baby Jesus and there's a choir singing the Hallelujah Chorus and it's just beautiful and um Real babies, real newborn babies. So, yes, there is a bit of a cycle because newborn babies aren't always happy or sleeping. (laughs) So, it's amazing. But, yeah, everyone is dressed up in costumes. So, the first scene is Mary and Joseph and you've got an angel coming down and visiting Mary to tell her she's about to have a baby. And so, you've got an angel of light, you've got Roman soldiers, you've got the three wise men. Um, The the script is funny. uh, It's engaging. and it really feels like you've taken a step back in time. And so what happens is you walk to each scene. 
So it's like, um, you know, six or seven scenes that you walk to and then what happens is it sets a moment in time. It's just, uh, it's incredible. And it was actually something that my family did every year. It was a Christmas tradition that we did every year. It was an amazing experience. And, and there's something that you can tell your friends to come and see. And I think people are more open to hear about Jesus at Christmas time. And really, I mean, this is this is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. And so it's a really great opportunity to um, share with the community, with your neighbours, hey, come to this event. And everyone loves it. I don't know anyone that says, oh, go to Bethlehem School. They all come back and it's, yeah, it's incredible. It's an amazing experience. And I just think that there is an incredible uh, talented team that bring this together every year. So you, you mentioned you've got real babies there. Do you have... Real animals? <laughs> yes, we have camels. I forgot about the camels. How can I forget about the camels? There's camels, there's donkeys, it's, uh, yeah, look, there is nothing. There is nothing that is not considered for the road to Bethlehem. It is, it is truly an amazing experience. Kids get to pat the camels, they get to see the donkeys. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. That's, it's pretty that's amazing. sensational. And at the end of the scene, so um, you go through the whole of uh, the road to Bethlehem and the last scene is baby, you know, you, everyone meets baby Jesus and then you walk into a market and it is literally like um, a Jewish market or, or a Roman market where people are selling um, bread. And it's, oh, it's incredible. Like you just feel like you just step back in time. So, so do, they, do they sell, <laughs> are they selling first century food or is this, you know, 21st century food? It's, First century food. The market is all flatbread, and yeah, like it's just it's just really uh, authentic. It, I don't know. It just takes you there. <laughs> it just takes you there. But of course, then you've got the festival at the front, so that's all modern day food and um, modern day drinks and things. But it's just I don't know. I just feel like there is no detail that isn't spared in this program. It's just incredible, and anyone gets an opportunity to go, they should do it. <laughs> okay, if somebody turns up, and I'm sure that there are lots of people who turn up, or just secular people and just enjoying the Christmas season and, you know, sharing with their children and so forth what Christmas is all about, if yeah. they've got questions about Jesus and they want to know more, is there an opportunity for them to, you know, engage in a way that, you know, they can yes. learn more about Jesus? Yes, there is a whole, there is a whole team uh, that are there at the marketplace at the end uh, ready to talk to anybody if they want to learn more. Um, there's uh, there's a website and there's uh, there's stories, there's Bible studies, there's kids activities, there's colouring in competitions, there's books, um, and there's also people that are ready to pray with anyone that is really being moved by the experience. So it's really, um, you know, and we make sure that people are followed up on. Uh, I know that there are people that have that actually even decide that they want to go to church after their both of these have experience. And, um, I mean, the most important thing is that they have an experience with Jesus and they yes. get to kind of just have a snippet of understanding of why Jesus came to earth and what, you know, he came to do. I mean, the reality is he was all about Black Lives Matter. He was all about, um, you know, being there for the oppressed and the elderly and the widows and the, and the single mums. And we live in a society today where we've got a government that's after us. But, you know, 2,000 years ago, the poor people just died of hunger. And and I think that the news of Jesus was incredible. And I sometimes don't think we really comprehend that amazing story. And I think every time we retell it, it gives us a chance to remember this amazing story about Jesus. Is Santa there? Yeah. Are you there? Yes, I said. I said, is is Santa there? Is Santa there? 
I don't think I've ever seen Santa. <laughs> this is good to hear. This is good to hear. This is the real Christmas story. so much better than Santa. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen. Praise God. That's just the best. All right. Now, we've got a little bit of time left. Tell us about yes. um, the COVID version of Road to Bethlehem. <laughs> I know. What's, 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 happening, what's um, happening this you know, year? Okay, so the last couple of years, thanks to COVID, we've gone online and we've done an experience that's a little bit different only because we can't meet. And, you know, if there's an ever an upside to COVID, what's really great about this year is that anyone can visit and have a road to Bethlehem experience. So everything's online. It's the way that we can tell the most important story. And it's a bump-on journey. So um, the behind the scenes is that we've got amazing, talented people that are part of Road to Bethlehem. And one of the people that has been really involved in it is one of the guys that plays the Wiseman. Turns out he's also an editor of a major um, publishing magazine here in uh, in Australia. And he last year, during the first lockdowns, he wrote a book called Advent. And he's a bit cynical about Christmas, but he has played a wise man for many years in The Road to Bethlehem. And he wanted to write a book about the behind the scenes and the background story of Jesus and the story of The Road to Bethlehem. So last year, this book was launched and it's a 31-chapter book. So 31 days in December, 31 chapters in the book. This year, we are launching Advent for Kids, also co-written by Nathan Brown, but also with Cal Collin, who is a published award-winning author, and it's just a children's version of the story of Jesus. So we're launching it and we're wanting to theme it each day in December where people can sign up. So go to the Road to Bethlehem website, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook and sign up. And what will happen is we're actually providing everyone an advent calendar where everyone gets a gift every day for the month of December. And I'll be there. I'll be along the journey every day with everyone. And I'll be introducing uh, everyone to either a daily video, uh, like a video, a story, some activities, uh, great conversations, um, working on way to meet some animals. <laughs> it's going to be incredible. And it's just a five-minute uh, thing that you can do either with your kids or as a family or as an individual. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. Um, it's something for everyone. And so, you know, 31 days, 31 gifts. We wanted to give people gifts. Now, those that are in Victoria, um, the Advent book and the Advent book, uh, Advent for Kids book is free for anyone that is uh, postal addresses in Victoria, but they also do discounted versions of the book that you can buy. But I've just finished reading both the books and they are incredible. They're beautifully written and they do really open your eyes to the backstory of Jesus' birth. So um, I really, yeah, I really recommend everybody sign up. And when you sign up, then every day you'll get a gift. Uh, from the Road to Bethlehem team. Yeah, absolutely. I just got somebody who sent a text message here. Uh, I went to yes. Road to I went to Road to Bethlehem a couple of years ago. What a wonderful presentation! I recommend it oh. to everyone. I will definitely go again oh. this year. What surprised me is the professionalism of the whole presentation. The market was great. The food was very good. Oh. A must go affair. Oh. Great story of Jesus' birth. So there you go. That was just coming through on the text message right now. And by the way, that book Advent for Kids. I'm holding a copy of that in my hand right now. Um, yes. Along with the uh, with its companion for adults, which are amazing books. So this is going to be f- sensational. Uh, Kim, just run through with us one more time. How do we engage with Road to Bethlehem? <laughs> okay, I encourage everybody to go to the Road to Bethlehem website, roadtobethlehem.org. 
And um, all, and basically, you'll see my sleep on the front page. I invite you to sign up. There's a sign-up sheet. It takes about, I don't know, 10 seconds to sign in. And then you basically just have to confirm your subscription. And then you will receive from the 1st of December through to the 31st um, a gift from the Road to Bethlehem team sent with love. And there's so many things you can do, including a prayer wall. I should have mentioned that there's a place to pray even on the website. There's so many beautiful things. And the website will go live on 1st of December. Okay, there you go. That was Kim Piers from Road to Bethlehem. Make sure that you go to roadtobethlehem.com.au and sign up right there. This is the ball. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.